3: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold, right here on the Thomas Paine Podcast, filling in for Commander Mike Moore. Of Thomas Payne Podcast on pain.tv slash gold. You could join us over there, folks, if you'd like the ad free video version of this podcast, the Thomas Payne Podcast, as well as my podcast, the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast. So today, folks, we're going to do something different. All right. As you know, the last, what, 25, 30 episodes over at the Dustin Gold Standard, we've been uncovering, unveiling, dissecting, analyzing the technocracy and the transhumanists and the players behind that the money behind that the government agencies behind that well today we're going to go back to a subject that is very near and dear to my heart and that is the border the u.s mexico border There's a lot of corruption that's been going on down there. Obviously, Trump and his team are entangled in some controversies that are still ongoing. I used to cover the border going all the way back to 2007. I lived in... New Haven, Connecticut, and I was on the radio there frequently, and I was running a year and a half long investigative story that I would talk about on the radio with uh, one of my mentors, Jerry Christopher of 960 WELI, and I was also running an advocacy uh, sort of nonprofit arm where we were fighting the city of New Haven and many state officials in Freedom of Information Court. We were able to provoke a number of statewide conferences and congressional hearings that went on in regards to the work that we did and so I stayed involved with that topic over the years whether I was working in media working in journalism or actually working out in the private sector in corporate entertainment and other things that I did I always followed those stories and so I got back involved with that issue in 2018 when I was producing content for sort of a conservative MAGA type influencer and then I kind of let it go folks when COVID took off we started covering that And eventually, as you guys know who listen to my show, I had to pull back from working in independent media. And then Mike asked me a couple of months ago if I wanted to get back into it and talk on his platform. And as you know, I focused on the technocracy and on transhumanism because I'm kind of laying this foundation of where we came from, where we're going for my kid that is on the way that will be born at the end of October. And so I believe it is my duty as a uh, as a father to figure out how to navigate the future technocracy and if I'm going to bring a child into this world it is my duty to protect them and help figure out how to navigate them through what lies ahead but today I have on a very special guest a friend of mine the last several years we've done a lot of investigative work together you know her from Fridays on the Thomas Paine podcast so her being here on a Monday is fantastic ladies and gentlemen it is your favorite Maria L albanese maria how are you doing on this wonderful sunday folks we're recording on sunday to put this out on monday for you so we are hard at work while you were doing whatever i don't know are you barbecuing what are you doing today maria
1: i'm talking to you during the storm. <laughs> so that's you my a storm
3: you've got a storm going down there is it the uh great awakening we- storm
1: it, no, heck no, 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 no. Just, just uh, you know, horrible weather that we've been having all summer. So it's carrying through. And so I grind my Sunday errands and blocked um, out time to be with you today so we can uh, talk about some things that we worked on a few years ago. So what a, what a great opportunity uh, considering what was in the news last week. So I, I thought it would be a great segue to talk about all the work you did down at the border.
3: Yeah, and I have to be honest with this audience, so I haven't been following the border issues um, the way that I used to uh, for the last couple of years, and then also, folks, I'll make an admission here, the last... (laughs) several weeks i've been so entrenched in the dust and gold standard and all the research i have to do to put those shows together that i've only been able to listen to mike's show and i'm just now catching up on the stuff that you guys do on Fridays. so i don't want to bore the audience with things you've already touched on with mike so if we're going to go into any territory that has to do with what you've already covered you know you could just push me away from that
1: yeah, we we only touched on the, on the subject. We didn't go anywhere near uh, some of the work that you did over the years up to COVID. And you know, you not being caught up on it, well, that's not surprising. A lot of us aren't caught up on a lot of things we were working on in the past because COVID scheme as I like to call it, took over um, starting in early 2020, and it's pretty much what many of us have been focusing on. So yeah, there, there's a lot of important stories um, that were supposed to be at the forefront of uh, the previous administration that got swept under the rug, and our and our focus, you know, took our eyes off that ball. So, but here we are because.
3: Go ahead. Oh no, I, I was just going to say to set the stage for, for the audience here, you know, with with the immigration issue, it seems to be something that uh, comes back up pretty much on a 10-year cycle. So kind of the big story started back under Ronald Reagan's presidency when he granted amnesty to uh, several million illegal aliens that were here and promised for some sort of border security. And then going back to, as I mentioned, like 05, 06, 07, the story came back up during the uh, Republican primaries where it was really John McCain versus uh, Mitt Romney to go against Barack Obama. And it was a big story there with Congressman Tom Tancredo, who was out of Colorado, who was kind of the Trump of the time on immigration. And then that story faded away. And then Donald Trump brought it back up in 2015-16. And for the audience out there, you know, I'll admit here, the reason why I backed Donald Trump was because, personally, I believe every politician's bought and paid for and Trump was making points on the border at least publicly that I wanted uh to see move forward and I was happy that it was leased in the media and that he was talking about it so he served you know my purposes and those of the allies I had that wanted attention brought to the border and so now you're starting to see some of it come back up not for great reasons but one of, one of the reasons why I sort of backed off talking about it all the time when i was um uh, when i got out of producing the last show i was working on was because as i started to study the world economic forum and the agenda 21 30 50 and the fourth industrial revolution and the great reset and technocracy and transhumanism what happened was i started to see the border issue here as the same border issue going on in every country in europe pretty much in every western country they all have these border crises and what is happening is that the elites create problems Uh, you're seeing it right now with the russia ukraine situation so they'll create chaos and problems in different regions to then take a group of people generally poorer than the um, subset of the population they're going to force them into so with Russia Ukraine all of a sudden you drum up all these poverty stricken Ukrainians and you force them into Poland and places like that to destabilize those countries and begin to erode their culture so I started looking at it strictly from a standpoint of demographic warfare so to me to fight the issue or to believe I can fight the issue on securing the southern border by talking about it that's not going to happen because the goal has never been to secure the uh, southern border that's it's always been a joke. It's always been about moving people into this country to destabilize uh, the United States, to erode its culture and things like that. I mean, do you agree with that?
1: One hundred percent. And I think that's what we found through researching the agendas that that's always been the plan to have global open borders. That is, uh, you know, as the the old terminology we know is new world order. Uh, well, they, they they knew everyone was catching on to that, so they had to switch it up and start putting to the forefront the, the sustainability agenda and, and the UN Sustainable Goals agenda. But when you read into all of this, you see that one of the major goals is global open borders. And if you wrap that into the depopulation agenda you see why they feel that uh, open borders is a good thing. So, so if you have nations um, that have a decreased birth rate, how do you populate areas with a declining birth rate would be to import from other countries via open borders. So yes, we, we know that it's only been a political talking point to secure the borders because we happen to know through some um, of the work that you did uh, there were solutions. There were a lot of things happening in the background that were never being showcased uh, on the upper tier, proving that they didn't want to solve these problems. Now, now we have a worse problem. It's been accelerated with the Biden administration, and we do see some governors shipping uh, people out around the country now to um, sanctuary cities, saying, "Okay, you know, this is what you want. This is what you're going to get. Now, let's see what they do about it." But this has been a well-planned goal. We have lots of uh, NGOs helping, you know, to, to fulfill these goals. So, yeah, th- this is where we're at. But, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about some of the work that was done in 2019 uh, when you were actually working down at the border. So I think this what happened last week gave us a good opportunity to uh, revisit the border issue, even if it's just temporary.
3: Yeah, and, and let me just bring this up quick because I just want to hammer home this point for the audience, too. So when you look at the situation uh, that America's faced and the way the media and the politicians have presented it over the last 30 years, 40 years with, with open borders, is the way that I look at America being 41. When I was a kid, uh, my father was a cop. And so he was a cop in New Haven, Connecticut. And back then, the cop alliance was basically Italian cops, you know, uh, Irish cops, German cops, Polish cops. And so my father would hang out with all these different groups of people, and he would go shoot darts with them. But the way I saw America as a child was that we celebrated, sort of our culture, at least then, was that we celebrated our respective heritage under the banner of the American flag. So you would go to a big uh, St. Patty's Day parade and, and sort of celebrate the heritage of your Irish friends. And then you would go to a Columbus Day parade and celebrate the heritage of your Italian friends. And that's sort of how I saw America as a child. And now I don't see that there's any more American culture. When I was just over in Poland and Poland, um, it's hard to say right now, but Poland is about 39 million people. And it was roughly 97 98% Polish, like actual Polish people that identified as Polish. And now it's sort of changing because there's anywhere from two and a half million to five million Ukrainian, you know, quote unquote refugees that they're pushing in now. And I was able to talk through uh, my wife, who translated with a number of people and varying jobs and stuff like that in different places around Poland about their thoughts on what was happening. And it was interesting, as I've said, when I was in Poland, it was like going back to America in 1980. So I'm starting to see all these horrible things now in hindsight that happened to our country that brought us to where we are happening in Poland in real time. And so that's what I'm talking about, is the politicians, the elites, uh, the planners, the social engineers, they go and they instigate and create problems like we've done the united states has done in mexico and central america and south america that then destabilizes those regions then we send in our ngos which we've shown on this i think last time you were on the show we showed that the ngos the non-governmental organizations are actually all funded by the united states government so we send the ngos like usaid and others in there who then put together these refugee caravans and stuff and they start trotting people up into our country just like they're doing in Ukraine moving people into Poland and you see that it is the same network of these elites funneled money through the oligarchs and such that all comes from these governments and so it's the governments that are actively destabilizing countries and regions to push people into other countries to destabilize and erode their cultures I mean I just want to make that a point that's how I see it um, that's why it's not going to be stopped because the goal is always to erode these cultures. Now, what will probably happen in right. Poland soon, as what has happened here, is then these politicians are used to tell the people that are coming in to not thank the Polish people or not thank the Americans. They then tell them not to adapt, not to assimilate, not to take on the Polish culture or the American culture but to be wherever you were where you came from and then they use divide and conquer to pin people against each other based on race, religion, culture and they literally all of a sudden in a neighborhood now you'll have an African guy with a spear hunting lions next to a Wall Street banker with an american express black card and those two cultures not to say one is better than the other but they can't really coexist that way and then they get them fighting with each other and hating each other i mean do you see how that how that works and how they're about to do that in poland
1: oh absolutely and they've they've already done it all throughout europe
0: this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <coughs>
1: So, yeah, I mean, the playbook is out there.
3: Exactly. Exactly. No, I just wanted to hammer that home for the audience to make the point that, um, you know, this is why you never can get things resolved like border security, because it's more devious than just wanting to bring cheap labor in. And it's more devious than just wanting votes from a certain class of people.
1: Yeah, it's much more devious. I mean, we, we, we saw the photo opportunities that AOC took down there and the children in cages, the politicians will always take these opportunities to fundraise off of and, um, you know, say that we have, uh, you know, we don't Oh, the Democrats. We don't have a problem. Oh, the GOP, we, we have a problem. Meanwhile, no one is solving the problems. They're causing the problems uh, because they don't want to. And they can't because if, when, it, when it's part of a, a, a much broader scheme, they know that nothing's going to be resolved. It's the people, like you said, that will be pitted against each other to fight about it because, again, my team's better than your team and my, my team wants to fix this and your team doesn't. And, and <laughs> it's just uh, everyone's spinning their, their wheel in the sand. It's it's not going to... It's only going to continue to get worse. I mean, in real estate, I, I st- you know, even though I'm no longer in the industry, I still receive correspondence from um many different levels and one is a um international real estate uh, lawyer And, and he spends his time down in south america helping uh those with resources um come into the united states many of them into south florida and you know how they can buy real estate or how they can invest in what certain visas they they could obtain so um You know, behind the scenes, a lot of people know how the sausage is made. It's just that it never filters up so that the people know what's going on. And that's what's going to be so interesting talking about the trip you took and some of the folks that, organic folks, the factual folks that you were able to interview that really shined a light on certain things that, you know, just isn't out to the general public on a high tier level because they don't want it out there. You know, they'll leave it at maybe a lower level or an alternative media level because they don't feel that has a big enough audience to do anything.
3: Oh, definitely. I know you were just talking about those visas that – that, uh, you know, the big money guys, the investors could utilize where they invest in real estate and then they get access to, like, you one green card. Jared, Jared, yeah, Jared Kushner, yeah. our newfound uh, transhumanist friend, uh, Donald Trump's son-in-law and top advisor in the White House, he was heavily involved with that stuff. But we're going to get into some other players yes. uh, in and around Trump that yeah. were cashing in on this as well.
1: Right.
3: Right. All right. So, so last week, what did we have? Well, I think what I'm going to do, Maria, is let me just run this for the audience quick, because, folks, we had about an hour and a half call uh, between last night and today. And so let me run this uh, clip real quick, Maria, to set the stage for what we're about to get into uh, on Steve Bannon and the indictments. And, folks, we're going to cover this in a little bit different angle than you've heard before. And, uh... You know, as far as I'm concerned, and if you listen to the Dustin Gold Standard, you know I'm post-political. I backed Donald Trump, supported Trump, went to over a dozen rallies, performed in my Donald Trump impersonator costume at two inaugural uh, Trump uh, balls on the night of the inauguration. Um, And so... When we start to talk about this and give you the truth, don't get upset. I mean, you want the truth? This is the truth. So we're going to break it down and analyze this. But let me start, Maria, with just this quick piece uh, uh, showing Steve Bannon's indictment for those of the people that are not caught up on uh, what's happening right now.
2: Here in the U.S., Donald Trump's former chief strategist, Steve Bannon... Turned himself into authorities in New York City just a short time ago to face state criminal charges. The charges are believed to be connected to his efforts to raise money for a private campaign to build the wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. NBC News investigative correspondent Tom Winter is outside the lower courthouse in Manhattan. Uh, Tom, what more can you tell us about this new case? Right, Jose. So this is going to be very familiar to people that followed this case when it was first indicted in the federal court system by federal prosecutors in August of 2020. It closely tracks the We Build the Wall investigation and prosecutors then, and it's going to be a different office bringing this case today, as you pointed out, said that essentially Bannon and his co-defendants at the time received money personally. So despite their assurances, that they were working purely as volunteers, that every single dollar that they raised was going to go to this effort to privately build the southern border wall between the U.S. and Mexico, that in fact they personally benefited either through direct payments uh, to one of the people that eventually pleaded guilty in that investigation, or to Bannon who received money, according to prosecutors, for his own personal expenses and his own personal benefit. As you may remember, Bannon was pardoned by former President Trump prior to him leaving office. So that case, as far as as Bannon was concerned, uh, went nowhere. He was done with that. In February of 2021, obviously shortly after Trump left office, we reported that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office was starting to look in that very case because there could have been violations of New York state law, and it would not be a double jeopardy situation, they say, to potentially prosecute him for it. Uh, That's where we've gotten to today. So we expect a 1 p.m. press conference with Attorney General Letitia James and Alvin Bragg, who is the Manhattan DA. Uh, to discuss this case, and then approximately 2.15 or so Eastern Time, Jose, uh, we expect to see Bannon in court, and at that time we'll have a real good understanding as far as what specific charges he's been hit with and what, or if any, penalties he may face if convicted.
3: Okay, Maria, so that that was a quick clip I wanted to show just to set the stage, and now I want to go to you to sort of break that down because you've been following this case for a number of years. So up on the screen right now, I have the most current indictment, which is the Supreme Court of the state of New York County of New York, the people of the state of New York against Stephen K. Bannon, We Build the Wall, Inc. So why don't you just explain to the audience uh, how we got to this point? Well,
1: just just like we just heard, he he was pardoned. um, But now the state has indicted him for money laundering, fraud, and conspiracy. There, there's quite a few counts there, um, which is which is very interesting when, when you read the full indictment. And knowing what we know now, since in April, um, two of them were, uh, they pled guilty. So, and, and when you read uh, the communications that went back and forth and, and, and that they were benefiting off the money. So like you say, we were following this, From the Genesis, right? So uh, they come up with this: we're going to fund it ourselves. And and I and Mike and I have covered this: how the Trump um, presidency brought the fight to the people, where there was so much corruption. We were all living with the idea: we're going to go around the government for everything, and we're going to fund lawsuits, and we're going to fund the fight. Oh, you're not going to build the wall? Fine, we're going to we're going to show. That we can raise the funds and we could build the wall. In fact, in the very beginning, you know, um, Donald Trump was uh, kind of supportive of it. He is quoted as saying, uh, This is a private enterprise at its finest. Now, then he backed away a little bit after that. But in the beginning, everyone was energized. Now, myself and, and quite a few other people from day one thought, No, 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 this is just another grift, another scam we We did our investigations into Brian Colfage that was nothing was really hidden if you just did a whole bunch of searches, you would find out a lot about him now, because he was a veteran purple heart veteran, you know again, society makes that untouchable you, you know you 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 can't touch that um, people run away, and then you start trying to point out on lower level um, love letting people know let, let me show you this and look at this fraud and and look at what he did here. He, he was a notorious target harasser, um, and he was raising a lot of money. Some articles have set up to $200,000 a month with numerous um, websites and social media pages uh, throughout the 2016 cycle and with no problem uh, of putting out, um, you know, fabricated news or disinformation or whatever. Uh, we all know the term clickbait. Everything is clickbait out there. So a lot of people made a lot of money. But anyway, they do, they, they start raising this um, money very rapidly. Um, there were a lot of people in the influencer world, uh, in the MAGA world, that, that had shows uh, or podcasts. Um, any of them that tried to alert the people, because even they had enough. Okay, You could only be a cheerleader for, for so long before you start to get disgusted. With the people in your own camp or perceived camp. So, as soon as people try to um, do a public service warning, like, you know, don't do this. Don't we, we have a government? They should be building the wall. There's no reason for the people to have to do this. Well, no, that costs more division, just just like we saw with, with uh, Scheme Demic, you know, the pro masks, anti masks, pro uh, vax, anti vax. Well, it was the same thing in in this particular situation. You were either all in on it or you could not speak about it being a scheme. Well, you know, as time went on, we started to see, yes, it was a scheme. And then there were indictments. So, yes, they were keeping money. They were collecting a lot of money. And and then they started working with uh, the fisher industries that that had been already Lobbying the Trump administration for uh, the prototype contracts um, build the wall for the government, but well, then the we build the wall, which had a lot of popular names, which again, once you start to see the people affiliate it with, that gains more trust and it gets harder to warn people that there's there's just something not right here. Um, And that's where we went with that. And then then we saw Bannon was pardoned, but others were not. Uh, Two folks, uh, Battalotto and Colfage, uh, pled guilty. And Shea had a mistrial. Now, I do believe they are going to um, not let that die. They're going to try to try that again, is what I read recently. Um, But again, they admit it. They admit it. They pled guilty. I think there's going to be a sentencing in December for that and now this pops up so this week like I said I spoke to you about this I said this gives
3: up are you there Maria or did we lose you ladies and gentlemen Maria is in the middle of a storm right now so (laughs) so um she warned me that her phone might go out but that's okay folks let me just clarify on a couple of things here while we're waiting for Maria to come back on and uh, let me just uh, talk about Brian Kovach for a minute for those of you that don't know so Brian Kovach was this Uh, multiple amputee I forgot exactly what it was that's okay and so one of the things she was talking about was some of the scams and schemes he was running during the 2015-16 presidential race and so he was running Facebook pages and a number of other things and cashing in on this uh, clickbait hold on let's see I think Maria is back on the line Maria are you back Can we hear you. Oh, there we go. Okay, I was just filling in some of the blanks for the audience. I told them that uh, you're in the middle of a rainstorm, so you might drop off. But I was just going back and uh, giving them kind of a little, just a a brief bio, expanding on uh, Brian Colfage uh, for you. And then what I wanted to do, because I've been taking notes as you're talking, um, and I just wanted to point out, as you were saying, that there were certain people in the sort of MAGA independent journalism sphere that were not supporting GoFundMe. And I'll say on the record, uh, I was producing for someone who had a fairly large YouTube channel, covered a lot of conservative news, was uh, supportive of Donald Trump and MAGA, but had always been against uh, the GoFundMe Build the Wall campaign and had spoke out almost... Right in the beginning of when that started to pick up steam and had warned the audience that it was his opinion, that this was some sort of a scam. And this was before it was known that Steve Bannon was even involved with it. In the beginning phases... The media ran with the story that it was this multiple amputee, Brian Colfodge, and it didn't come out later, um, until later, that Steve Bannon was involved. So the person I worked with came out right away and said there was audience luck. As someone who served in the military for over 20 years, as someone who has run a nonprofit helping veterans navigate the complexities of the uh, Veterans Administration, As someone who knows about government bureaucracy, I'm telling you, this can't be done. It can't legally be done. I don't know why the president is even supporting this, because in the early stages, Trump did. And he warned his audience, you know, don't give these guys money. I think it's some sort of a scam. So I give... That person I work for credit for coming out against it. And then you said later on the people who spoke against it, uh, as we were talking about on the phone earlier today, kind of comparing we build the wall to sort of the QAnon of the border was that. They were making people believe, well, we don't need the government. We're just going to build a 3,000-mile border wall, which would be impossible privately. They would need hundreds of billions of dollars. And where are they going to get that kind of money? So they were letting people buy into this, you know, cue trust the plan of the border. Like, trust the plan. We build the wall. We'll take care right. of this. We're going to do it with the $25 million right. we raised.
1: We're, we're, we're going to get it done.
3: And, yeah. and I just want to and, point and, and, yeah, out there. We'll, and, I was going to say, I just want to point this out quick, and we'll get back to it. So, what happened was, later on, uh, and we'll get into this later in the show about the border investigation that we did, later on, at this point, it was known that Steve Bannon was involved and he was running this border conference, a summit at the border with like a stage and they were having speakers and stuff. It was all the traditional who's who usual suspects of you know conservative, controlled, independent journalism. And so we said, oh man, we've got like this bigger YouTube count than the rest of these people being invited. Let's see if they'll let us come down there and film this and we could stream it live, which we were doing a lot of then, and get them some attention on this situation because this wasn't really about just we build the wall at this point. It was about the border uh, as a whole. So we contact, uh, one of them was an old contact I had who was a think tank out of Washington, D.C. who was one of the sponsors that deals in illegal immigration issues. And I said, hey, can we get a pass to come down there? What's the deal? I can't find the specifics. And they refused to even give us a press pass. And so later on, we realized that We Build the Wall was down there with their YouTube channel. And at one point in the conference, Donald Trump Jr., the son of the president, the one who was out there basically as Trump's political surrogate, is speaking, and I tune in live on We Build the Ball's YouTube channel, and there was 75 people watching. We could have had 5, 10,000 people watching on our channel. So that's where we really started to say, what are these guys up to that they won't even take free press from people that have supported building right. a border wall?